scripture reading this morning. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 47, the entire Psalm, verses 1 through 9. Psalm 47. is the word of the only true and living God and I'm reading from the book of Psalms and it's Psalm 47 and verses 1 through 9 and I'm reading from the NASB 1995 and this is headed as God the King of the Earth. Oh clap your hands all peoples, shout to God with a voice of joy, for the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with, a, with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our God, sing, pray for, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a skillful song. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Sword of God. Amen. That psalm gives you, gives us all rather, an idea of true worship, or worship as Christ said that we're to do in in spirit and truth. Okay. So our study of the Gospel of John ended last week at chapter four in verse twenty. Okay. We find ourselves in the midst of a conversation between Jesus the. Uh, and the Samaritan woman who came to draw water at Jacob's well near the city of Sychar in Samaria. And last week we learned that the woman had just changed the subject after Jesus confronted her with her immoral life and, and something we find that many people are apt to do when confronted with their sins. We get uncomfortable, change the subject, right? Talk about the weather. <laughs> Becoming uncomfortable, the woman begins talking about worshiping God. And I want to, I want to start there in, uh, we're going to read this in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, beginning in verse 20, and we'll read through verse 24. Okay? John, John chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this, now this is the Samaritan woman talking. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And he finally says this, God is spirit, 
And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. There's a lot of richness in what Jesus is saying here. We find here that Jesus is not deterred by the woman's changing the subject. And he continues with this confrontation in verse 22 when he says, You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. So why would Jesus make this accusation? Well, last week I briefly mentioned that the Samaritan's religion was a mixture of what? Judaism and idolatry. We went over that history a little bit, and we'll go back and do that again here right now as a refresher. To better understand, we have to go back to the 10th century BC, a long time ago. 10th century BC was the time when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was king over the Israelites. And his bad decisions led to a split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. And both kingdoms had their own king. The northern kingdom had especially wicked rulers, one after another. This kept coming. And both kingdoms received many warnings from God. They received warnings over and over through his prophets because of their continued sins, their idolatry. They ignored the warnings. So much like we do today in the world. The world ignores God's warnings. They ignore these warnings even though though God warned them that other nations would come and conquer them. Serious business. So the northern kingdom was invaded and defeated by the Assyrians who carried them off to slavery in 721 BC. And some of the Israelites remained, but the Assyrians uh, brought foreigners into the land who brought their idols with them. We have a vacant spot. They were carried off. Now that there's a lot of vacant land here, and foreigners come in, bringing their idols, and they're settling here. And they begin to intermarry with the remaining Jews. So what happened? We have a half-Jewish, half-Gentile people now, who became known as the Samaritans. There's a reference to this in 2 Kings I'd like to read to you. 2 Kings uh, chapter 17 and verse 24. The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharim and settled them in the cities of Samaria in place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and lived in the cities. And then in 2 Kings 17.29 it goes on. It says, but every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the houses of the high places which the people of Samaria had made, every nation in their cities in which they lived. So we have this idolatry going on. Then in 605 BC, there's another event happened. King Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonian Empire, invaded invaded the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. He was after defeating it, defeated Jerusalem, or besieged Jerusalem in 598 BC, and then King Jehoiachin surrendered his kingship in 597 B.C. Uh, why all of this? Well, that's when 10,000 Judeans were captured. 
and they were hauled off to Babylon. Okay? But 47 years later, something happened. Okay? Babylon had been conquered then by Cyrus, uh, who was the king of Persia. And King Cyrus uh, allowed something that the other king would not have ever allowed to happen. He allowed Nehemiah and Ezra, the two Jewish leaders, to go back to Jerusalem to build, rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple. Okay? But they got there and they tried to get help from the Samaritans and the Samaritans rejected. They objected to this thing. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want you to do it. Okay? And so that was the beginning then of this tension and this this uh, fighting that's going on between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. Okay? You can gain knowledge of, of this time in Israel's history by reading 2 Chronicles 36, if you're taking notes, Ezra and Nehemiah 6, and understand better why the Jews hated the Samaritans refusing to speak to them and considering them to be defiled. So remember now, uh, here's Jesus going from Jerusalem to Galilee, and he, he scripture says he <coughs> had to go through Samaria. Okay? So, because we, we talked about that in the past, that he had a divine appointment, so he had to go there because he had an appointment a divine appointment to meet with this woman at the well. She didn't know this yet. That knew nothing about this. Okay. So we read about this amazing account. The Son of God in a conversation with not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman, who was absolutely no Jew, Jewish men would not do that. Okay. Well, he confronted her with his sins, and then the woman changed the subject, and, and then Jesus, knowing the history of Israel and the Samaritans and their worship of idols, he replies to her comment about her ancestors worshiping on a nearby mountain by saying this thing we just read, you worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Then he goes on, but that hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And for such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. You hear that? For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. He's talking to us here too, okay? To worship in spirit and truth. So he points out three things about worship to this woman. He says, you worship what you do not know, okay? God our Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and truth, and God is spirit, and proper worship must be in spirit and truth. Okay? So Jesus was well aware of the Samaritan's history, and he makes this accusation, and it probably shocked her. You worship what you do not know. Let's look at some of the history of the Gentiles who replaced the Jews in Samaria. In 2 Kings 17.41, it goes, So while these nations feared the Lord, in other words, they knew Judaism, okay, they're worshiping the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise and their grandchildren, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. So we have a mixture here of 
Judaism and idolatry. <coughs> so long before this event, God gave the Israelites Ten Commandments. Remember that? Through who? Through Moses. Okay? The second commandment is this. You find this in Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, nor any likeness of what is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, of, <clears throat> or in, in the water under the earth. And you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Serious business, isn't it? Okay. Because this idolatry affects not only the person that's worshiping idols, but what? Their children and their children's children. So the second commandment, uh, the second commandment forbids the worship of or serving any material form or image of God. Okay. Amen. Okay. This is a common practice. It's a common practice throughout the world today. Statues and images of all kinds are all around. Okay. You see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Have you ever seen, well, especially over in the, in the Mideast, there's <clears throat> people will walk up to a statue and pray to a statue. Mm -hmm. Okay? All kinds of stuff like that. There are some other forms of idolatry that, and, and uh, it has to do with other material things. I want to read you Paul's comment about idolatry in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Because idolatry is not only confined to statues and pictures and all of that kind of thing. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed which amounts to idolatry. Okay. The Apostle Paul warned the church about false teachings in his letter to the Galatians, and he warns us about, the, about falling into idolatry in his letter to the Colossians because, what, both false teaching and idolatry are so prevalent in the world today, and they were prevalent in the first century as well. Nothing's changed. So we have learned throughout the Old Testament, warnings from God go ignored by people because people want to follow their own desires. They want to follow their, and the, the truth is, I've heard this said recently several times, that people love their sins. Mm -hmm. okay? So that's why so many refuse Christ. They want to hear about that. Nothing's changed. False teaching and false worship of idolatry are seen continually throughout the world. Okay. So before we get into the second and third thing that Jesus said to the Samaritan woman uh, <clears throat> about worshiping our God, I'm, I'm going to comment on the teaching in this assembly. Okay. 
when Palomino Valley Bible Fellowship ordained me as a pastor, March 1, okay, 2015, several years ago, right? I made a commitment to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ to the, that to the best of my ability, I would teach the truth of the Holy Scriptures without compromise. Both Old and New Testaments, because the Old Testament is as rich with, with the character and nature of God as the New Testament. Well, there's, <clears throat> that means that there's times when God's Word may, will make us uncomfortable. And you'll hear it here. You'll hear God's Word here. Mm -hmm. And there's times when we might become uncomfortable with that. Okay? Because it hits us right between the eyeballs sometimes. Nevertheless, I'm going to teach the truth of the Word of God without ignoring any parts that we may not want to hear, as happens in some of the churches today. There are churches that will ignore or fail to preach on sin. They fail to preach on repentance because the only thing that people hear is, oh, God is love and just continue on the way you're, because he loves you. Just do what you're doing. Being a married man, I can make mistakes. But if I'm made aware of a mistake, if you, if you confront me with a mistake, I will correct that mistake. Okay? I'll apologize for that because I am accountable, what? To the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm accountable to God for what I do here. James 3.1 says this, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur stricter judgment. Paul's instruction to Timothy are as follows. 2 Timothy 4, what, verses 1 to 4. This is, now Timothy was the only man that Paul was raising up and he became a, a great helper of his. He's talking to Timothy here. I, simply, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That's today. The Apostle Peter wrote similar instructions. Second okay. Peter 2, 1 and 3, verses 1 to 3. But false prophets also arose among the people. That's the first century. Okay? Just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. Verse 3. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Okay. So God takes idolatry and false teaching very seriously. Okay. That being said, you can understand that God is serious, that every Christian 
Every Christian knows how to distinguish God's truth from false teaching. We need to know that. We need to be able to distinguish this. Attempts to deceive people about God and his Christ have been going on for ages, and now as uh, each one of you, from the very subtle deceptions of the devil, uh, have got to be, what, aware and guarded. We've got to be taught. The return of Jesus is coming, and deception is increasing. And it's going to continue to increase. If we were digging into scripture, there's a time when Jesus said that he's got to return and end this thing because the deception will be so great that even the elect may be deceived. That same duty, okay? I want to address these subjects first of, of deception, false teaching, and idolatry because it's my duty and it's my responsibility to guard this assembly, each one of you, as well as myself, okay, to the very subtle deceptions of the devil. How many of you have read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters? A lot of you, okay? You understand just how subtle the devil is. Well, the same duty falls to our elder Brian DeMambro here, okay? the same duty and responsibility, and to any future elders of this assembly. Every day, every day, through social media, TV, politics, certain books and other entertainment produced by Hollywood, even the doctrines of some of the churches, right? we hear and see things that are intended to get us to believe certain things that are not true. Some of those things are intended to make us feel good about ourselves, even tempting us. We're ignoring the fact that we are to fear God and follow his commandments and counsel. Okay. Some of our modern day churches Ignore teaching the need for repentance of sin. I mentioned that earlier. Even accepting and promoting. This is true. You see it on the internet. You read about it almost every day. In the churches. Some of the churches. Accepting and promoting sexual perversions. Transgenderism. Transgenderism. And gender change. It's sickening. They teach a different Jesus Christ. While exciting people's emotions. Okay. causing them to focus on themselves rather than on the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he is. The Word of Faith movement, prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, okay. it's just one example. Okay. You can make God do things for you. you know? All you have to do is name it and claim it. You know? God simply wants you to be happy. You hear all that stuff. They worship what they do not know. There are those who deny the deity of Jesus Christ, those who deny the trinity of God, those who deny the authority of Scripture, those who deny salvation through grace alone, uh, by faith alone in Jesus Christ, those who claim that... Uh, 
after, this is a good one. Those, there are those who claim that after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, okay, he went down to hell where he was tormented by the demons. Okay, he had to be tormented by the demons. But the father then called the demons off and raised him up as the first born again man. Talk about a twisted theology. Hmm. Then there are those, those who cast doubts on Jesus' character. We'll talk about that in a minute. Many of us wonder about this. What in the world is going on and why? Now let's begin with words from the Apostle Paul. I want to read Ephesians 6, 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what's going on. That's what we wrestle against. Behind every lie, behind every deception, every false doctrine, every false teacher, the influence of the devil and his demons is at work. If you, don't, if you don't believe in the devil and his demons, that's just because you can't see them. Doesn't mean they're not here. Jesus Christ talked to them, removed demons from people. Okay? I want to give you one simple example of, of how all this works. It's about Jesus' character and his deity. The example is based on my personal experience about one year ago when my wife and I were watching a new, fairly new TV series, okay? A series that's raved about many, many thousands of people. They rave about it. I have read some recent reviews about this series, about how the series has helped people understanding of Jesus Christ, how that they're drawn closer to Jesus Christ. The deception I'm about to tell you is very subtle, and that is exactly how the devil works. We're watching this movie. It's called The Chosen. Okay? And Jesus, this particular day, he was beginning his ministry. And in that, he was talking to one of his disciples. And the disciple wanted to, I don't remember what it was. Now, the disciple had to go do something. He had to take care of something. And they're talking. And at the end of their conversation, Jesus reaches out to his disciple with his hand and he says, good luck. Good luck? And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Everybody says that all the time. The creator of this universe, the one who knows the beginning from the end, does not know what's going to happen the next day to his disciple. The same one who saw Philip under a fig tree before he ever met Philip. Hmm. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. I'll repeat that. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. 
This is a different Jesus, the Jesus who was brought down to be merely human, a, a, a nice guy, that, just like the rest of us, that we can just all get along with. Right? A nice guy that loves people. In an interview, the producer, Dallas Jenkins, who claims to be a conservative evangelical Christian, and he believes in the inerrancy of scripture, he said something like this in this interview. I'm listening to this. He says, oh, we're just trying to enhance the movie, okay? Just trying to make it more interesting. So what are they teaching you here? That Jesus Christ does not know what tomorrow's going to bring? Good luck. I cannot tell anyone what to watch. I can't tell you what to watch on TV or what preachers to listen to or what books to read. You know, that's not my job to tell you what to watch or what not to watch. But be aware of what you are being taught. Be aware of what you're being taught. Compare it to the truth of God's written word. And if you suspect there's a contradiction, check it out. And then make a, make a decision. Decide what you're going to listen to. In the final two texts, verses of our text today, Jesus emphasized that God is looking for those what, who will worship in spirit and truth. That means to eliminate all material forms of worship as well as not drawing attention to yourself or focusing on yourself in a high state of frenzied emotions. That happens. That happens a lot. I just watched a short TV thing from a church over in Reading called Bethel. And these people are going nuts in this service. It was just, you sit there with your mouth open and say, what in the world is going on? You're in this emotional frenzy going crazy. They're not focusing on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're focusing on themselves. God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. God our Father and the Son, the Lamb of God, must always, always be the focus of our worship. Okay? Not statues, not pictures, not candles, not feathers falling out of a ceiling, all this flashing lights and all this stuff. Okay? The focus is God and His Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Okay? Amen? So let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for this uh, account of Jesus and his discussion with the woman at the well. And we pray, Father, we pray that we will take all this to heart and to worship in spirit and truth. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to prepare now to take the Lord's Supper. Okay? In a few minutes, let's let's uh, let's just take a few moments of, of uh, silent prayer, in confession, and in praise and thanksgiving.
of the Lord, and then we will begin. Okay? It's, it's by God's grace alone, through the gift of faith alone, and Christ alone, that saves us. Let us thank him for that. Let's reflect on that special gift. That through our faith, we have been adopted as children of God, forgiven, counted as righteous, with the righteousness of Christ, and given our citizenship, citizenship in God's kingdom. Okay. Father, we thank you that we can always come to you and praise you and seek forgiveness, Father, of our sins and know, Father, that we have eternal life with you and the, the Lamb of God in your kingdom. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If we uh, will turn to Luke 22, Luke chapter 22 and verses 14 through 23. I want to read to you the account that Luke gives about, we can read this together, really. Uh, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and said and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. If we can pass the bread, please. Thanks, Mike.
Shall we take the, the bread? We take the bread as a symbol of the body of Jesus Christ, taking it in so that we are taking him in. As the scripture says, uh, when he had taken some of the bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Elder Brian, could you pray for the bread, please? Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this day, this Lord's Day, this beautiful Lord's Day that you have made for us to come together as a church, as part of Christ's church on earth, Lord, and come together in worship of you and learning about you, Lord. I ask that as we remember the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Christ Jesus, the works that he did on that cross at Calvary, that as we take this bread, that we remember not only who he is, Lord, but what he has done for each of us. And I ask this and give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we take the bread. Don't forget to pass the cup, please. Verse 20 of, of uh, this account by Luke says, In the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant is the end of the old covenant, the covenant of works. Okay? And the new covenant means what? We receive God's grace and we receive his faith, the faith that's a gift from God, so that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. We don't have to worry about all kinds of hoops to jump through. We believe, and that's it. That's the new covenant. Isn't that great? Amen. That's what Christ came to do, to pay the penalty for our sins and to give us this new covenant in his blood. So we take this we give thanks. Oh, Lord, we, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For as he suffered and died on the cross, he bled and he gave up his life for our sakes. So we thank you 
that we have the new covenant whereby the covenant of grace alone, through the gift of faith alone and Jesus Christ alone, we thank you eternally for this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we take the cup. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the fellowship in this assembly. We thank you that we have this opportunity to come together to remember the death of Jesus Christ and, and what it really means to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.